Middle East on the brink, North Korea on the brink, Iran increasing its aggression, elections in Taiwan. Look, there's a lot of global instability as we ourselves plunge into primary season. How have you sheltered your savings and investments from potential major setbacks to the economy? You think it can happen here? It can happen here, but it's not too late to diversify an old IRA or 401k into gold. And Birch Gold Group can help you with that. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. As opposed to many other investments, Gold thrives in times of uncertainty. It is an important part of diversifying your savings. Now listen, here's how Birch Gold can help make it a part of yours. Birch Gold will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold. And it doesn't cost you a penny out of pocket. You want to learn more? Just text SAVAGE to 989898 for a free info kit. S-A-V-A-G-E, text it to 989898 and you get a free info kit. It costs you nothing. Just text SAVAGE to 989898. With an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, and thousands of happy customers, I encourage you to arm yourself with the knowledge of diversification through precious metals. Protect yourself. Text SAVAGE to 989898 and claim your free info kit. Protect your savings with gold. Do it now. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Thank you very much. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture. And here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. Welcome to the free version of the Michael Savage podcast, and I'm going to keep it free for all of you. But there are many of you who would love to be able to listen to my show without any ads. I love ads, but many of you want to listen to the podcast free of ads. So we created something for you, a solution. We call it the Savage Premium. For less than the price of one flat, tasteless beer at your local bar, you can receive access to all of my podcasts going back years ad-free for just $3.99. That's at $3.99 a month. You'll get not only my ad-free podcast, but you will also occasionally receive access to material that is exclusive for members only, and I'm going to give you the list in a minute of what you've, what you've missed. You're going to get an occasional monologue from me, maybe a reading from one of my novels, sneak peeks of interviews before anyone else hears them, archive pieces dating back to 1994. Many things that come up, you're going to get exclusive access to Michael Savage material. Details can be seen on my website, michaelsavage.com, and if you want to join... All you got to do is go to glow.fm and search Savage Premium. That's glow.fm and search Savage Premium. Now, you will always have access to my free weekly podcast. I want to be clear about that. That's my promise to you. But if you want less ads and more Savage, join the Savage Premium Club today and never miss a spoken word of mine. It's glow.fm slash Savage Premium. You can find it on michaelsavage.com. And here's some of the stuff that you have missed so far. Michael Savage reading from his best-selling novel, Countdown to Mecca. My words, my voice. Savage reads from one of his lost journals, Fiji, 1968. Savage's first drive-time show, Hour One. My interview with the Jewish gangster, very popular. I uh, read from my first written published article, Who Was at the Helm? 
from 1965. It's heard nowhere but on my premium site. I read passages from my novel, Abuse of Power. Uh, we replayed Fat Al's Tuna. My Savage Show from 32494, the earliest show in the archive, 32494. My interview with Donald Trump from 110-2011. 110-2011, while Mark Levin was mocking him and Sean Hannity was mocking him uh, and the others were mocking him, I was interviewing Trump. Much more. And remember, subscribers also get ad-free podcasts every week. The cost is less than a beer at a bar, and you get a better buzz with, with the Savage Premium. So go to, go to glow.fm slash Savage Premium for full access to ad-free podcasts and exclusive sound you'll not hear anywhere else. Thank you very much. All right, welcome to the bonus podcast that you're getting this week. And this is a very serious one. Last week, I gave you part one of my broadcast from October 12, 2000, about how diversity training weakened the Navy at that time and brought about the attack upon the USS Cole. Let us hear now the conclusion of this program as the callers on that radio show gave me their reaction to the attack on the USS Cole. And chillingly, it's probably 100 times worse today. Let's pray for the U.S. Navy. American television networks were forced to make decisions about the use of video footage from two scenes of Middle East violence today. CNN, MSNBC, and Fox News aired footage of a Palestinian mob attacking and killing three Israeli soldiers, butchering them, chopping them to pieces, throwing them out of a, out of a window. Uh, and so therefore, while the scenes depicted a violent attack against human beings, who they were attacking was never actually made clear. Who they were attacking were three Jews being butchered in front of the Palestinian police station. At the same time, all three cable news networks promised to comply with a Pentagon request not to air footage of sailors injured in the attack on a U.S. warship in Yemen. Now, it's strange to me that we are seeing on our screens in America injured Palestinians being visited by Yasser Arafat, but we're not permitted to see images of our own naval men and women who may have been killed or injured in this terrorist attack. It makes you wonder, doesn't it? Meanwhile, Italy's TV aired striking pictures which showed the body of one of the Israelis dangling upside down, apparently attached to a rope. The body was then dropped from a window in the police station where the mob stomped on it and beat the corpse with iron bars. A body was not visible in video clips aired by several American networks, but the crowd could be seen beating on something, the victim being unclear. Yet a few minutes later, CNN shows pickage pictures of Palestinian children in a hospital being visited by Yasser Arafat. Ladies and gentlemen, we're living through very dangerous times and very perilous waters. This is no time to panic, but it's certainly a time to raise your voice and be heard. And I will tell you why. If we give in to this new Hitler, if we give in to this new Hitlerism, we are finished as a nation. We are finished as a nation. I want to read you something that's very, very pertinent. It may take me a minute or two to find it. And it's a letter from Natan Sharansky, a man who was imprisoned in the Soviet Union for many years. I want to find it, and here it is. Jerusalem Dateline today, Thursday, October 12th, from Nathan Sharansky. And here's what he has to say. 
He says, nearly 20 years ago, confined to an 8x10 jail cell in a prison on the border of Serbia, sorry, Siberia, he says, I was granted by my Soviet jailers the privilege of reading the latest copy of Pravda, official mouthpiece of the communist regime. Splashed across the front page was a condemnation of Ronald Reagan for having the temerity to call the Soviet Union an evil empire. Tapping on walls and talking through toilets, prisoners quickly spread the word of Ronald Reagan's provocation throughout the prison. We, the dissidents, were ecstatic. Finally, the leader of the free world had spoken the truth, a truth that burned inside the heart of each and every one of us. He then goes on to say, for decades, the moral authority of the Soviet Union had rarely been challenged. But sadly, he said, most of us were not blind to the truth. They were just frightened by the truth. The liberals in most of the world understood what the Soviet Union represented. But knowing the price of confrontation, they preferred to close their eyes to it. Rationalizing their cowardice with morally comforting words such as peace and coexistence, they pursued the path of appeasement. I'm reading a letter from Nathan Sharansky. He then went on to say, today the nations of the free world also prefer to close their eyes to the truth in the Middle East in general and the Arab-Israeli conflict in particular. And he said, some who see Palestinian stone throwers as David to Israel's Goliath are again duped by the manipulations of a brutal dictator who sends children to the front lines to achieve through tragedy what he cannot achieve through diplomacy. He is talking about Yasser Arafat, the friend of Hillary Clinton. When I come back on the Savage Nation, I'll continue with a letter from Nathan Sharansky in his note, Afraid of the Truth, right here on the Savage Nation. I do not do sports talk. I'm Michael Savage. I'll take your calls from across America on what should be done about the bombing of a U.S. naval ship today in the ports, in a port off the coast of Yemen. Remember, this show, it will be on for the next two hours. You must tell your friends to call in. The voice of the people will be heard today on the Savage Nation. American television networks <clears throat> were forced to make decisions about the use of video footage from two scenes of Middle East violence today. CNN, MSNBC, and Fox News aired footage of a Palestinian mob attacking and killing three Israeli soldiers, butchering them, chopping them to pieces, throwing them out of a, out of a window. Uh, and so, therefore... While the scenes depicted a violent attack against human beings, who they were attacking was never actually made clear. Who they were attacking were three Jews being butchered in front of the Palestinian police station. At the same time, all three cable news networks promised to comply with a Pentagon request not to air footage of sailors injured in the attack on a U.S. warship in Yemen. Now, it's strange to me that we are seeing on our screens in America injured Palestinians being visited by Yasser Arafat, but we're not permitted to see images of our own naval men and women who may have been killed or injured in this terrorist attack. It makes you wonder, doesn't it? Meanwhile, Italy's TV aired striking pictures which showed the body of one of the Israelis dangling upside down, apparently attached to a rope. The body was then dropped from a window in the police station where the mob stomped on it and beat the corpse with iron bars. A body was not visible in video clips aired by several American networks, but the crowd could be seen beating on something, the victim being unclear. Yet a few minutes later, CNN shows pictures of Palestinian children in a hospital 
being visited by Yasser Arafat. Ladies and gentlemen, we're living through very dangerous times and very perilous waters. This is no time to panic, but it's certainly a time to raise your voice and be heard. And I will tell you why. If we give in to this new Hitler, if we give in to this new Hitlerism, we are finished as a nation. We are finished as a nation. I want to read you something that's very, very pertinent. It may take me a minute or two to find it. And it's a letter from Natan Sharansky, a man who was imprisoned in the Soviet Union for many years. I want to find it, and here it is. Jerusalem Dateline today, Thursday, October 12th, from Nathan Sharansky. And here's what he has to say. He says, nearly 20 years ago, confined to an 8 by 10 jail cell in a prison on the border of Serbia, sorry, Siberia, he says, I was granted by my Soviet jailers the privilege of reading the latest copy of Pravda, official mouthpiece of the communist regime. Splashed across the front page was a condemnation of Ronald Reagan for having the temerity to call the Soviet Union an evil empire. Tapping on walls and talking through toilets, prisoners quickly spread the word of Ronald Reagan's provocation throughout the prison. We, the dissidents, were ecstatic. Finally, the leader of the free world had spoken the truth. A truth that burned inside the heart of each and every one of us. He then goes on to say, for decades, the moral authority of the Soviet Union had rarely been challenged. But sadly, he said, most of us were not blind to the truth. They were just frightened by the truth. The liberals in most of the world understood what the Soviet Union represented. But knowing the price of confrontation, they preferred to close their eyes to it. Rationalizing their cowardice with morally comforting words such as peace and coexistence, they pursued the path of appeasement. I'm reading a letter from Nathan Sharansky. He then went on to say, today the nations of the free world also prefer to close their eyes to the truth in the Middle East in general and the Arab-Israeli conflict in particular. And he said, some who see Palestinian stone throwers as David to Israel's Goliath are again duped by the manipulations of a brutal dictator who sends children to the front lines to achieve through tragedy what he cannot achieve through diplomacy. He is talking about Yasser Arafat, the friend of Hillary Clinton. When I come back on the Savage Nation, I'll continue with a letter from Nathan Sharansky in his note, Afraid of the Truth, right here on the Savage Nation. I do not do sports talk. I'm Michael Savage. I'll take your calls from across America on what should be done about the bombing of a U.S. naval ship today in the ports, in a port off the coast of Yemen. Remember, this show, it will be on for the next two hours. You must tell your friends to call in. The voice of the people will be heard today on the Savage Nation. Home of borders, language, culture, the Savage Nation. Today we had the sad sight of one of our most advanced uh, destroyers, being blown up by a two men in a raft in a suicide mission. They blew a gaping hole at the waterline. The ship is flooding. At least six are dead. Twelve are missing. Thirty-five injured. Those are the reports right now. And yet the United States is sitting there with their knees knocking. Their hands are ringing. They don't know what to do. Most of the liberals or the uh, pacifists, if you want to call it, the conciliatory types in the United States government, which is about 50 to 70 percent of them, are saying... We don't know who did it. We shouldn't do anything. We have no right to react. It is unbelievable. It's a disgrace. Have we become a nation of hapless eunuchs? 
I want to go back first to the letter from Nathan Sharansky, who spent years confined in a Soviet jail cell. He was one of the refuseniks. He, in other words, he was a dissident against communism. And here's what he said. Some who see Palestinian stone throwers as David to Israel's Goliath are again duped by the manipulations of a brutal dictator who sends children to the front lines to achieve through tragedy what he cannot achieve through diplomacy. Again, I'm reading from Nathan Sharansky. But most people are not so easily duped. They simply choose to blindfold themselves rather than confront a discomforting truth. Instead of pressuring Arab tyrants to free their own peoples from the yoke of oppression, the West prefers to view them as a stabilizing force. When the peace process began, Israel and the West had a remarkable opportunity to use their influence to ensure that the emerging Palestinian society could evolve into a liberal democratic state. Instead, they spent the better part of 10 years subsidizing tyranny. The goal was to strengthen Yasser Arafat and his PLO, supposedly a force for moderation and compromise. With his 40,000-man armed police force, Arafat was supposed to serve as Israel's proxy in the war on terror. Did you hear this? This policy, supported by Bill Clinton, was not designed to solve a genuine Palestinian human rights problem, but to export it. In the past two weeks, we have seen the consequences of this folly. The man who promised at Oslo to renounce the violent struggle against the Jewish state once again uses violence as an instrument of negotiation. His police have turned their guns against the state that armed them, while his kangaroo courts have released dozens of terrorists drenched with the blood of his partner in peace. Needing an external enemy to justify internal repression, Arafat continues to incite against Israel. New textbooks depict a map of Palestine that stretches from the Mediterranean to the Dead Sea, but does not include a Jewish state. Arafat is so educating the next generation of Palestinians that they will soon take up arms in a holy jihad. In response to all this, the world can summon sufficient courage only to condemn a democratic Israel for defending itself against enemies within and without who seek its destruction. It is assailed for provoking the Palestinians by visiting our people's holiest site when the real provocation is not our sovereignty over a temple mount that is the soul of the Jewish people, but our sovereignty period. That's Nathan Sharansky, once a great hero of the West, and now completely ignored because he does not speak the communist line that is so popular today in the halls of Congress and in the media. The question to you is what should we do about the uh, attack on our warship? Let's listen to what Hillary Clinton says ought to be done right here on the Savage Nation. Then I take your calls the minute uh, I'm through with Hillary. Let's listen right now. We must say clearly that terrorism of any kind must not be tolerated. It is not an acceptable mean? negotiating tool. What does that mean? And the United mean? States stands with those who stand against terrorism. What does that mean? And the United States will hold those accountable who have committed this act of terrorism. Do you hear this? She doesn't say one thing that can be traced to anybody. It's classic Clinton doublespeak. Let's listen to the liar uh, who would make a great leader in communist China who speaks like a true cadre in China. Let's listen to this double-talking snake. So want to express my shock and sorrow at the attack on the United States ship in Yemen. Yeah, my did heart it. goes out to the Your families of the brave Where sailors. Where have we heard that before, Hillary? Say something real. 
Oh, what? This is what you want for U.S. Senator? Well, you know what? You get the kind of leadership you deserve. Let's go uh, around the country and around the uh, state here and get some opinion of the people. Alan Amarillo, Texas, what, what's your opinion today? I don't think we should do anything more than we did after the Israelis attacked the USS Liberty in 1967. They attacked it in international waters, broad daylight. They killed 34, wounded 171. They made every attempt to sink that ship with jet aircraft. Uh, they bombed it with napalm. They torpedoed it. All right, well, let's come up to today, Amarillo, Texas. So what, is, what are you suggesting? I'm suggesting uh, we should do no more than we did when the Israelis attacked us. Why right, should so we in a, do wait, wait, Excuse me, Al, I got your point. Now let's come up to today again. You're saying then there, there should be no retaliation against any terrorism on a U.S. ship ever. No, I think there should be. But why should we do any more than we did when the Israeli government deliberately attacked one of our ships with no combat capability? Those All right, Al, let me, Al, Al, let me ask you this. Al, Al, are you on the side of Arafat or on the side of the Jews? Actually, I don't care. They could both blow themselves up for all I care. Mm-hmm. What do, no Al, what, Al, really hello, Al, Al, savage to Al. Al, what do you care about? I care about the United States of America and our... Wait a minute, you, wait a minute, excuse me. Hello, Al, time for a reality check. You care about the United States of America, but you'll take your resentment against Israel and put that above any kind of retaliation against the current attack on a U.S. warship? Does that make sense to you? I'm just saying, why should we do any more than we've done with other people or ignored, deliberately ignored? Right, given that what you say may be valid, let's put that aside. But now let's come up to the present. A U.S. warship is attacked. Men and women, maybe women, are killed. And you're, again, you're saying do nothing? First of all, we have to find out exactly who was responsible. Oh, now you're saying you don't know. The head of naval operations said it was a terrorist attack. Well, but you, what but wait a minute, but wait, Al, Al, excuse me. Do you have some information that we don't have? Not on that attack. No. Oh, well, uh, thank you very much. You seem to be an expert on terrorist attacks, Al. And that was a very good voice processor that you used. Really fine. I wish I knew the exact model. It was a wonderful... Uh, wonderful voice processor. It made you sound very American. Salt Lake City, Utah. Mickey, you're on the Savage Nation. Hi. Um, I never thought I'd say this, but after eight years of watching the Clintons and how our military has been turned down or torn down and our defenses stripped like they have been, and now it's almost time for Clinton to leave office, and I'm beginning to wonder now if we should be looking in our own backyard for the causes of these problems. What does that mean? Well, I'm just wondering if Clinton's behind this, if it's a setup to... Because I've been telling my husband all year that I think that before we even have the elections that there's going to be a huge catastrophe that's going to keep him in office. And I know that sounds crazy, but just... All the things that have been happening. No, many crazy. Americans who fear Bill Clinton's devious, perverse behavior and his egomaniacal uh, persona, his the tendencies towards dictatorship, have feared an October surprise. Mm -hmm. It would be very, very easy to say this is the October surprise, which is That's to unravel the peace process, so-called, uh, to cause a warship to be blown up and then use that as a pretext, let it get bigger and then use that as a pretext to declare a national emergency and stay in office. I know that's what you fear, is that right? Right, yeah, that's well, what I've been I thinking. Look, Mickey, Mickey, many of us have that fear, but uh, he has not yet said 
that he's going to suspend the uh, the the elections, has he? No, not yet. All right. Well, let's let's deal with it. And when and if he says it, okay? Right now, let's deal with the reality of it. I don't think that's going to happen. I think we have a bigger problem, which is a pacifist Al Gore, who is his understudy, who really should have said something today, and I haven't really heard much out of him. Matt, we have Al Gore, don't we? Let's listen to the most Al Gore could muster today uh, when one of our warships has been attacked. Let's listen to him. If this turns out to be a terrorist attack, then I yes. want to make it clear on behalf of all of us, Here we go. any terrorists should know that whoever is responsible for something like this will be met with a full and forceful and effective retaliatory response from the United States of America. Does that sound like he means it? Did you hear a man who meant what he said, or did you hear somebody reading a script? The Savage Nation. It's savage, uncut, unfiltered, and raw. Leadville, Colorado, what's your opinion on the Savage Nation? Hi, Mike. Uh, my feeling is that we have to know who the terrorists are as closely as we can tell, and whatever facilities they're using, level them. It was uh, approximately a century ago. We had a problem in Tripoli, Libya, and we engaged in battleship diplomacy. It works every time it's tried. Gunboat diplomacy does work. Of course, it's from another time. That's why I said earlier in the show, Joe, that in those days, the captain of a ship had the total autonomy to respond in kind. In other words, to make his own decision. If his ship was attacked in a foreign port, I can guarantee you he wouldn't have hesitated to unleash his guns on the downtown section of that town and say, you know what? I don't know who did this. Why don't you find out? It's your city. You invited us here to refuel us. You find out who did it. You must have a better chance of finding out than we do. Now, I realize we live in different times. Huh? Pardon I, me? I'm a member of a three-generation Navy family. I have two sons in the Navy currently, and I don't feel real comfortable about that under the current chicken in charge. <laughs> Joe, thank you for the call. And uh, sadly, we learned in the last hour on the Savage Nation that, and I don't know if it's true. Can someone confirm or deny this? My point was, why were there no men on deck on that ship with uh, machine guns, ready to blow out, uh, blow the men away, or who came up with the raft, who blew up the Navy ship? I was told that uh, in this new age of peacekeeping, our men uh, do not have guns, they have no sidearms, they're locked up in a cabinet below decks. I can't believe that, because common sense would tell us that you bring a, uh, an advanced naval ship into a, into a foreign port, and, and the foreign port of Yemen is a, uh, well, it was until recently a uh, terrorist nation. What you do is you put out your own small boats around your ship and you create, a, you create a 50 to 100 foot barrier, letting only the tugboats come close. And even those boats would have to be heavily manned by your own troops to let them near such an important target. I don't know who's in charge of our ships. I don't know who's in charge of our Navy. I'll be back on Michael Savage. There will be no corporate talk, there will be no government talk, there will be no double talk. There'll only be straight talk. And uh, I invite you not to call the program because there's absolutely no room. Every light is lit. I know that the people are dying to express their opinion. And of course, again, I know that many, many people don't think that we should do anything on behalf of Israel. And I say you're right. The fact of the matter is Israel can take care of itself if they were let alone and didn't uh, worry about what the, what the world thinks about whether they should defend themselves or just go down in a river of blood. 
They are a sovereign nation. They have every right to defend their children and their women and to defend their borders. The question for us, though, today in the Savage Nation is what do we as a people say? What do we think? What do we do? When one of our naval ships is attacked, a gaping hole ripped in it, suicide bombers are able to get so close to a ship of ours that they can virtually almost blow it in half, killing six, wounding 12, injuring 30-some-odd. That's the report as of right now. Why was that raft permitted to get so close to our naval ship? The answer is simple. That's because our guard was down, because the officers and the men have been beaten to death for the last eight years by the gore pacifism, the gore uh, liberalism. They probably, I'm shocked that they didn't invite the terrorists aboard for a diversity training session to teach them the evils of Christianity before they were killed, or perhaps even apologize for the sins of being alive. And I mean every word I'm saying to you. If we don't get rid of this left-wing madness, the country is doomed. There's no way it can survive. If we don't kick the diversity trainers out of our schools, if we don't kick the diversity trainers out of our corporate boards, we're finished. We will be turned into nothing. The nation will be left with nothing. We'll have no men left willing to defend the nation. Get rid of diversity trainers. Get rid of diversity training. Don't attend it. Hire a lawyer if you're forced to go along with it. Sue them and get them the hell out of there and never apologize for being an American. Never apologize for being a white male. Never apologize for being a Christian or a Jew. I am telling you, you are facing the battle of your life, but you may not know it. And now I'll take your call so you can tell me what you think. Lake Charles, Louisiana. Carly, you're on the Savage Nation. What's uh, on your mind today? This is what's on my mind. I, I'm always so stunned when I listen to this show. But the point you brought up about Al Gore sounding like he was reading a script reminded me of something that happened to me. I was called for jury duty. I was eliminated because, because I was a fast talker. You're kidding. No, because the people, you know how attorneys now have assistants that help yes. them pull, you know, people for jury duty? Yeah, they don't they like fast talkers because they say they're bright. Oh and they not God. only say that, they say they have the courage of their conviction and they are decisive. So, in other words, they only pick, pick people for the jury who can be duped by uh, a Johnny Cochran, who gives them a little rhyme such as, if the glove don't fit, you must acquit. Right. In other words, they, anybody, who has, anybody who has more than a double-digit IQ is thrown off a jury today. Is that correct? Exactly. I'll... Hello, Carly, in late Charles, Hello. Louisiana. Hey, Al Carly. Would, Al Gore would be on the jury because he would be seen as someone who is not decisive and easily manipulated. And is this what we are going to have for leadership while the Middle East goes wacky? Carly, let me ask you something. Carly, before you leave the show today, you got on the show and said you can't believe when you listen to this show. What did you mean by that? I just, I can't believe how insightful you are. I'm addicted to this show. I think it's wonderful. Now, how long have you been, how long have you been listening to this fast talking savage? (laughs) You fast talker, you. Uh, I guess about a month now. Okay. And what age bracket are you in? Oh, Lord. I'm under 30, but just barely. <laughs> <laughs> and are you t- now, you live in Lake Charles, Louisiana. Are there any men equal to your intelligence down there, who, someone who can keep up with you? <laughs> of course. No, really, there are. Brilliant <laughs> people listen to this station. You hear them talk all the time on the air. Okay. No joke. Carly... I, I uh, now bestow upon you the honorary title of a, of a uh, uh, say, the Chief Savagette in Lake Charles, Louisiana. Oh, I love it. I love it. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I'm Michael Savage. 
that caller from Louisiana just now is typical of what happens with this show once it's aired in a community. The people who can speak uh, a little more rapidly than the brain dead love the show. The Gore-Clinton team that is either on Prozac or on Ritalin, uh, those with less than a triple-digit IQ generally hate the show. And I'm betting that America has more people with at least 100 IQ than fewer people with 100 IQ across this nation. I was shocked, and I'm going to tell you, I'm not going to name names. I was shocked to listen to some major talk shows this morning in America. They were not talking about the violence in the Middle East. They were not talking about the uh, attack on a U.S. warship. They stuck to programming that had been created for them last night. I am telling you that many people in this talk business are like mastodons. They can't think on their feet. They can't change. They can't use their own brain. Unless they have a staff creating information for them that they can then read and sound smart, they will not do it. And that is why Savage is going to rise to the top of the talk show heap across America. I do my own shows. I'm like you. I get up in the morning. I watch. I go onto the Internet. I Well, I read a few newspapers, but they're worthless by and large. And I will tell you, I then get ready by forming my own opinions about what's going on in the world. And I will tell you that we need more people to do that in this country. Stop looking to the stooges to give you your ideas. Stop looking to the government to give you your ideas. Stop listening to the old line uh, newscasters to give you their ideas. They're all part of the corporate structure and they give you what is safe and friendly. Now, I'm not a fool. I can't tell you what I really want to say, because if I did, I wouldn't last one second on the radio. What you're getting is a, I would say, a moderate, a moderate image of what I actually believe. I'm going to leave the rest to you. You'll have to draw your own conclusions. Right now, I'll draw your conclusions. Howard, the cab driver, you're on the Savage Nation, and welcome to you. Howard. Howard, the cab driver, goodbye to you. Al, line six, you're on the Savage Nation. Welcome to you. Michael? Yes. Yeah, uh, I, I took in some of that interview with the Admiral today. And the reason that ship was in that place at all, in the first place, is because the Navy has lost so many ships, they don't have their own oilers anymore. You're kidding. No, that's, that's what the man said. What do you mean lost so many ships? He said they were worldwide. They were down to 110 ships. That means they don't have their own oilers. Normally, that uh, battle group would have its own oilers. They wouldn't have to be there. How did we lose oil ships? Well, that's part of the Clinton legacy, don't you know? And wait a minute. Didn't Bill Clinton just give up 10% or so or, or a certain percentage of our strategic oil reserves? Didn't he withdraw? Didn't Al Gore sell off? And I'm the one who broke this story and published it in Newsmax about the Elk Hills Naval Oil Reserve. Al Gore sold it to a private company, uh, Occidental Petroleum. Though that was oil for our naval ships, they said we didn't need the oil. No, he was talking about the tankers, uh, Mike. He said they lost their ships. They're down to 110 ships worldwide. No, no, I understand that. But in addition to losing the oil tankers, Bill Clinton and Al Gore decided to give up fuel, oil, out of our, our strategic oil reserve in order to uh, gain a few votes. We are today weaker than we were two weeks ago as a result of that. You're absolutely right. And far as the appeasers, I'll make a quote, I hope I get it right, of Churchill who said 
appeasers are like people who keep uh, feeding a crocodile, hoping that he'll eat them last. Mm-hmm. Well, I understand that, Al. Thank you very much. Jerry in Bristol, Tennessee, you're on the Savage Nation. What's on your mind, sir? My answer to your question, the response should be swift and commiserate with what happened. And within 12 hours, if they don't have the right person, they find somebody that is responsible or closely responsible and make the response fast. You don't wait around for something like this. That's, that's the answer. Well, it's true that it's like with a child. The child must know why they're being punished. Exactly. What you're saying is... Exactly what we need to do. Well, that's right. Israel retaliated almost immediately after their men were butchered to death in front of the cameras. Exactly. And, and we, uh, we don't we don't do it. We just be pussyfooting around, and then uh, more things will happen. But it needs to be swift and 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 just. And uh, if if um, somehow we have the smarts to do that, which I doubt this administration has, I think we have a bunch of arrogant. Uh, they, they, are, they, are, they are so depraved and dumb, it makes me sick. It really makes me sick. It does. They are depraved. They think they're superior to the rest of us. Exactly. But as we can see, they're very dangerous, aren't they? Very dangerous. Thank you very much for the call on the Savage Nation. Now, Yemen, if you may not know it, where our ship was attacked, lies in the southern corner of the Arabian Peninsula. It's on the bottom of the Arabian Peninsula. It's about 200,000 square miles. It's coastline along the Red Sea and the Gulf of Aden is backed by mountains. The capital is the ancient city of Sana'a. Its population is more than 16 million and it has the world's second fastest population growth rate. Second only to that of the Palestinian territories, which, by the way, has the largest growth rate in the world. Did you hear that one? Well, you heard it on the Savage Nation. Yemen's population of more than 16 million has the world's second fastest growth rate after that of the Palestinian territories. So I think that says something right there. Nearly all Yemenis are Muslim, but tribal, cultural, and religious differences have hampered political development. It's a very backward, uh, somewhat of a medieval nation. What is Yemen's uh, exports? What is the predominant exports of Yemen? It exports 350,000 barrels of oil a day. It has proven oil reserves of 4 billion barrels and huge gas reserves. Nevertheless, it is one of the Arab world's poorest states because its leaders are totally corrupt dictators. The people are let to starve and eat the droppings of camels while the leaders fly around uh, getting as many blonde hookers as they can on their visits to London and New York, screaming all the time about the evils of capitalism. Michael Savage, a host like no other. Jacksonville, Florida, Victoria, welcome to the Savage Nation. I am backing up the gentleman who quoted Churchill, but I will quote FDR. Mm -hmm. Walk softly, but carry a big stick. That was, Th that was Theodore Roosevelt. And Correct. of course, it, it's, still right it's, still accurate, it's still an accurate. It's still an accurate. It's still an description. Now, wait a minute. The U.S. destroyer that was blown up today certainly is a big stick. The big stick was almost broken in half by a very, very little stick. The big stick Why is that? How is that possible? The answer is because the big stick has a big moron behind it. Thank you, sir. You said it better than I could because I'm. What good is it? A few Listen, words that would not appear in a family newspaper. Thank you, Victoria, in Jacksonville, Florida. The fact is that a big stick has no inherent motion of its own. A big stick means nothing. 
unless it's held by a human being who, A, knows how to use the stick and is willing to use the stick. So the big stick really has no meaning. You can walk softly and carry a big stick, but if you're not willing to use the stick, as Bill Clinton apparently uh, is not willing, or Al Gore is not willing, what good is a big stick? How much bigger does it get than a U.S. destroyer in a little nation? Catherine in Las Cruces, New Mexico, welcome to the Savage Nation. Yes, well, I um, ultimately hold uh, Gore Clinton responsible for this attack on our ship. Um, the way I look at it, whoever heard of the armed forces not being allowed to carry arms um, to defend themselves? And um, another point, let's not ever forget Mogadishu, what Clinton did to those young soldiers uh, out of Fort Benning when they were pinned down. Um, they were not allowed the material to defend themselves, and ultimately they were murdered. Um, and I blame Clinton for that, and I'm, I'm still so outraged over that. Well, that was Black... There's a great book on that called Black Hawk Down, and I ran that interview about a month ago on a Savage Nation, probably before the program was aired in your community. But we learned that the, uh, the rangers who went into Mogadishu were pinned down, and they were not given the tanks necessary to get them out of there because Clinton didn't want to create an international situation. Instead, he let them die there. That's what you're talking about. That's is that right? That is absolutely correct. Mm -hmm. um, his now, his I, absolute detestation and hatred of of our military as well as all all Americans. I mean, I I just cannot believe something has not been done about that situation in Mogadishu, and you know we're we're running across the same thing here. They're not allowed to carry arms. That is, I, I just can't. Believe well, let me say this to be fair. That may be a rumor from one of my callers on the Savage Nation, Catherine. I cannot confirm that the deck. The deck crew on that ship was not permitted to carry uh, weapons while in port. I don't know that that's true, and I'm going to have to confirm that. But I thank you for listening so carefully. Now, let me tell you something. The USS Cole is a 505-foot U.S. Navy destroyer. It cost a billion dollars. Did you know that? And it was equipped to protect itself against almost anything, they say. Listen, except the raft that they say rammed into the ship. With, with some explosives during a routine refueling. So you have a billion-dollar ship that can't defend itself, and now why can't it defend itself? The answer is, as I said to you, a big stick is useless unless you have a man who knows how to use it. That ship could have defended itself against the raft if they had put our own rafts around it, if they had established a chain-link perimeter around it in the water, which could easily have been done to protect a $1 billion asset. But because we have a bunch of ass-is running our military into the ground, more interested in diversity training and in perversity training than in defense training, that is why it happened. I am telling you that William Cohen should be forced to resign today. It is our defense secretary who is ultimately responsible, if not the commander-in-chief. This is a billion-dollar ship. We've had a tremendous loss of life. And the head of this corporation ought to be made to retire. In Japan... When a corporation commits a, uh, a crime of sorts, the head of that corporation apologizes and resigns. In France, when the blood supply was tainted, the head of the Health and Human Services Department not only apologized, but went to jail. Either we have responsibility in the Clinton-Gore regime or we don't. And the responsible head here is William Cohen. He ought to resign today and do the right thing. It's to getting up there and crying every time. I'll be back. A simple rubber ship blew a hole in this $1 billion warship that right now is uh, threatened with sinking. The men are apparently trying to keep it afloat. Here is one of the most advanced uh, ships in the world, blown open by a rubber boat. 
It carries a crew of about 350. It uh, is out of Norfolk, Virginia. It's a fabulous warship and apparently defenseless because the United States Navy no longer understands the uh, dangers that it has threatened because of its own brainwashing. Now, I don't know if you know this, but the USS Cole is among only 101 U.S. naval ships in the entire world. I will repeat that. Under Clinton and Gore, we have only 101 ships in the entire U.S. Navy. 101 ships in the entire Navy. It was commissioned in 1996, and the USS Cole was named not for Nat King Cole, but for the first U.S. Marine killed at Iwo Jima, Sergeant Darrell S. Cole of Flat River, Missouri. And it has a motto, Determined Warrior. The commander of the ship is Kirk S. Lippold. He has been the ship's commanding officer since June of 1999. Mr. Cole was a machine gunner when he was killed in action on February 19, 1945, the day 30,000 Marines landed on the southeast coast of the Japanese-held island. So that's a little bit of the uh, history of the USS Cole. But there's a, a huge story here. You have a $1 billion warship. It is capable of anti-submarine warfare. It is capable of anti-aircraft war warfare. It is a billion-dollar ship. It has anti-aircraft, anti-ship missiles, a cannon that can launch five-inch shells more than 10 miles inland or across the sea. It has two Gatling guns that can each fire 50 bullets a second, and yet two men on a rubber raft were able to penetrate the, uh, the perimeter of this ship and blow it up. Why is that? Why was that possible? Somebody is accountable for this. Ultimately, it is the defense secretary. That is what every person in this country should be asking today. Instead of wringing their hands and giving homilies such as our hearts go out this, of course our hearts go out that. That's not the issue. The issue is who the hell is responsible. Make them get the hell out of there and put someone in who knows what they're doing. And for God's sakes, protect the men aboard these ships. Let them carry machine guns. Let them carry any uh, deck weapon that they need and let them blow apart any small craft that approaches that ship within 100 yards, period, end of story. That should be the new rules of the U.S. Navy. What are they going to have, 18 commissions, 33 studies? They'll ask Madeleine Albright which brooch to wear and then they'll come up with a nothing answer. That's the kind of mentality we have today in America. It's a disgrace. Rebecca in Salt Lake City, Utah, welcome to the Savage Nation. What's on your mind today? Well, um, I would just like to say the majority of this nation was duped by Clinton, put that phony evil man in power, which caused a huge chain reaction of incompetence throughout the nation, uh, including the defense secretary. Um, now, this defense secretary was never competent for the job. William Cohen is, the, is, is actually one of the he is one of the most incompetent defense secretaries in history. Well, that's obvious now. I mean, it's, it's just pure stupidity to send a boat into, um, I don't know, it's just stupid to put a, a ship in that kind of situation. No guns, no fuel, no, I mean, it's just stupidity. All right, thank you. It is stupidity, and the ultimate, uh, the ultimate responsible party is uh, William Cohen of the Defense Department. He should be forced to resign. Well, thank you very much for listening to today's podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it and you'll learn something from it. We have about 400 other episodes available for you to listen to absolutely free. You can go back into our vast library of podcasts and listen to any one of them at any time. And remember this, if you want to listen to my podcast ad-free, 
Sign up for the Savage Premium Membership and get access to ad-free podcasts as well as some premium content from our Savage Archives. How do you sign up for those ad-free podcasts? Please visit michaelsavage.com for a link. Again, thank you for your listenership. This is Michael Savage.